ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my purpose girls. So as you may have heard in last week's episode, and as we're seeing all over the world, we are fortunately, thankfully, it's about time at a place where we as a world, as a worldwide community, certainly here in America and everywhere else, really stand up and not only support and love our black and brown people of color, sisters and brothers, but truly become active in taking a stance. And as I shared in last week's episode, and I want to be just perfectly honest with you, I am learning. I have always been a peace, love, equality for all. And I am learning about my own self and where I need to look at pieces and parts and learning what else I can do and why I must. And so it was super important to me that this week we have a brilliant expert come on and share with us more of what's going on and what can we do about it. And on Instagram, I started looking for black women, brown women, women of color who I resonated with and immediately fell in love with Sophie Williams. I literally cannot get enough of her account. (laughs) And when I found her, (laughs) her Instagram account had, I don't know, a few thousand followers. And within a day, it was up to like 30,000. And now it's up to about 100,000. And let's all give her another 100,000. Like, she's that incredible, as you're going to hear. So let me introduce you to my special guest today. Sophie Williams is the author of the upcoming book, Millennial Black, a guide for black women in their careers and businesses that need to learn how to attract and retain diverse talent. Before writing, Sophie worked in advertising at some of the biggest agencies in London as a creative producer, head of production, and then chief operating officer. Sophie is an active and vocal anti-racism active. You are going to love her as much as I do just by her Instagram account. I cannot wait for this conversation. Sophie, welcome to the Purpose Girl podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, yay. And thank you for fitting us in. I know you are so busy right now and you've started a charity and there's so much for us to talk about. (laughs) Um, So much. So I want to start with what you have seen happening. We're all seeing it. And there's like this magical miracle worldwide uprising. To what do you attribute that? And what do you think is like really allowing us and leading us to be here now? That's a really interesting question because I think in terms of allyship, I agree that some people are getting here now. But I think for sort of um, BIPOC, so uh, Black, Indigenous, people of colour, um, we've we've been here for a long time. 
and we've yes. been doing this work for a long time and we've been sort of saying I think essentially all we're saying is we're people and please could you please could you treat us like people and please could you let us exist but I think potentially what's what's happened right now is we've sort of got a perfect slash really terrible storm of events in as much as we're all home for lockdown we're all sort of engaging in the news we're all sort of you know really changing how we engage with things because we're not out in the world and particularly in America like these terrible things have been happening and I think I think it's just really galvanized people when they've had the headspace to be able to say no just you know just no (laughs) no what the fuck yeah exactly no yeah yeah and I so appreciate of course BIPOC and I have to ask you Sophie is that the right way to say it because I've been saying black brown indigenous people of color and I and I'm learning so I want to know yeah um I think different people have different preferences so I think BIPOC is something that's come about or at least something that I've discovered as a term reasonably recently and it's probably actually the first time I've said it out loud Mm. speaking to you (laughs) in the UK we generally talk about BAME which is um, Black Asian Minority Ethnic and I think I think having these groups can be useful but I think it's also something to be careful of because when we lump people like that into a group like BAME or BIPOC, we're saying we're saying that white people are just white people and everyone else fits into a group and they have a shared experience. Whereas in reality, so many different non-white people have really different experiences and really different lived experiences and the world treats them so differently. So I feel quite torn about it. Mm-hmm. So I would never call myself a BAME person. I, I wouldn't call myself a BIPOC person I wouldn't even call myself a person of color um just for your listeners who can't see me I am a very light-skinned mixed-race black woman like I've got blue eyes like I'm sort of very very proximate to whiteness but even though I look like this the world doesn't see me as white the world sees me as black and the world treats me as black and I see myself as black as opposed to part of like an overarching um, non-white group, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And even last week, I held a sisterhood circle for anyone in my community to join just as a way of saying, let's let's connect and let's heal and let's share. And I don't want to make the assumption, and we talked about this on the call, that any two women on the call, whether it was two white women, two black women, two brown women, mm have Mm -hmm. the same preferences or the same experience. And this is a time really, I feel of listening to stories, stories that we, and I don't want to talk for everybody, but in general, haven't been rising to, to the, um, to world news (laughs) and even having in our own lives, you know, because I've been hearing from a lot of women, I want to have conversations. I just don't know how, and I don't know what to say. And something I love about your message is, is say it imperfectly and then learn, right? Don't be afraid to get it wrong. And I've really appreciated that because I think that I know in my own life, this was a topic that I've always, I love everybody, my friends are everybody, but I want to go deeper and and I don't want to mm. offend anybody. I think that's something that's really resonated with a lot of white people, essentially, if I can just sort of put it like that, because 
because the work I've been doing most recently is around allyship, that's sort of um, drawn in a really non-Black crowd, essentially. So previously, because the work I was doing was focused on Black women, I had a lot of Black women sort of in the um, people who were following me. And now I'm talking about allyship, that sort of shifted a little bit. And that's something that's really sort of resonated with people, I think. And that's something that's been shared a lot and that's been discussed a lot. Just the message of doing something not perfectly is so much better than not doing anything. Um, Just, I think people have been afraid of doing the wrong thing. And let me be clear, you can do very wrong things. (laughs) Like saying, have a go and you don't have to be perfect doesn't mean like go bananas, Mm -hmm. like you know, you still have to be respectful. You still have to right. remember that people are people and all of that stuff. But I think if we approach things from a perspective of saying, like you just said, I'm learning, this is a process, then I think people understand because we're all learning things. Like I have a lot to learn about, you know, dis- disability rights. Mm-hmm. I have a lot to learn about all sorts of things that I don't even know I have to learn about yet. Right. And I just think people can understand that and people can see that you're well-intentioned. But I think it's really important if you make a mistake or if you say something, it doesn't quite work or sort of however that is. I think it's really important to then not centre what comes next on you being sorry Mm. or you having tried. Mm -hmm. I think it's a case of saying, okay, I thought that was the right thing. I can see that I could have done that better or phrased that differently. I'm sorry, and I'll do that next time. Instead of being like, I'm so sorry, I feel awful. Can you please help me and teach me how to do it better? And can you please be my mentor and guide me in everything that I have to do? Because that's really hard Mm -hmm. for us because we've been here. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, have a go. Don't go bananas. And then be open to being told what you need to do differently. Hear that. Move on. Do it differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm 100% as we have our conversation, Sophie, I'm 100% open to that and share that on my episode last week. Like, hey, send me feedback. Tell me what I can do differently. Uh, And I really appreciate that. Because what I'm feeling and hearing from a lot of my listeners is a desire to really be active right now. And as you said, of course, to treat our black brown people of color sisters and brothers as humans and it goes beyond just feeling it in our heart like really be active so let's talk about what allyship is in case that's a word that people aren't familiar with yeah absolutely and allyship is a word that i wasn't entirely sure how to spell a couple of weeks ago is it a y (laughs) is it an i um so i think it's something again that we're all in a process along I think the the sort of way that I have been expressing it is allyship is a constant set of actions. Allyship is not a set of beliefs. And I think that is really important because I think Mm. when we say I'm not racist, people can feel like that's the job done. Like they're not racist. Okay, I'm a good person because Mm -hmm. we've been taught that, you know, racists are bad people in the UK, racists are, you know, skinheads and you know, these sort of terrible, difficult, violent people. Right. We have a picture of what racism looks like. Mm -hmm. And as loving, good people, white people, we can go, well, I'm not racist. I'm not that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's good. It's a great start. Really glad (laughs) that people are willing to say I'm not racist. Step one. (laughs) 
yeah. it's a definite step one. And from having people sort of in my comments and messages this week, I'm very glad that there are people who are like, I'm not racist, because there are also people who are very proudly like, I am racist. Mm. So I'm very glad that there are people who aren't. But I think the thing with allyship, I think allyship is anti-racism. And this is just talking about it in a race perspective. I think we can all be allies to all kinds of different people in all kinds of different areas of our lives. But because race is a conversation that we're having at the moment and race is the work that I do, I've framed it within an allyship perspective. So I think allyship is just really, really active. And I think allyship is understanding that not everyone's voice is heard in the same way. Not everyone's voice can travel to the same place. If a very dark-skinned black person say something that can be taken very differently to if a light-skinned black person says it which can be taken very differently to if a white person says it or an Asian person says it or sort of whatever because as a society and it's hard for me to say as a society because I know that you're based in the US I'm based in the UK and people are all over the world and different societies are different but I think we can say that in western societies white people have I don't know how to say it except for being given preferential treatment. The societies that we that we live in have been built by and for white people who have been the majority. And I know that some people have been not happy with me talking about majority and minority because um, black people are not necessarily a global minority. But when I'm talking about Western societies, we are. And I that's why I feel comfortable using those phrases. So I think... Allyship is about understanding who the system was built to benefit, how those benefits come into place, and how you can use those benefits to uplift the voices and experiences of people who aren't experiencing those same benefits as you. Mm. And I think it's really important to note that it's hard and it's scary. Mm. And a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people do not like being called out or called in or sort of having the things that they have taken for granted pointed out to them. But in terms of allyship, it's much easier for someone who's not a minority to do that than someone who is a minority to do that. Because first of all, it's safer. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we are like, we are always aware that we could leave the house and someone could just hate us for the color of our skin or how we look, right. which isn't just something that Walking white... down the street and making an assumption about you. Yes. Going for a jog, whatever. Yes. Um, so yeah, just understanding that you can, you have privileges and those privileges can be used to help other people if that's the way that you choose to use them. And that's what I think allyship is. Allyship is making that choice to use that privilege to help people without that privilege. This is so powerful. And I think your Instagram account was the first time I saw the word and now I've seen it a lot more. So thank you for using the word and figuring out how to spell it and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and it did make sense to me. Mm -hmm. It did make sense to me because if I say to other white w women and men and people, I am privileged and I am starting to see or I just realize, hey, people look at me differently when I walked down the street or perhaps I've had a different privilege in applying for loans or, you know, whether it's a bank loan or a business loan, I need to start realizing 
And this has been a big thing for me this week. I've really taken mm. time to sit with my mm. journal and look at where have been the places that my whiteness, something I've mm -hmm. never, I mean, just to be honest, I hadn't thought about, <laughs> right, have benefited me. And mm -hmm. where are the places within me that even if it's several generations ago, mm. I learned to treat blackness differently, even though I never thought I did. One of the things I've been inspired by your account is that that's an important piece of the work is looking at, okay, where's my privilege and where also have I ingrained some of the societal narratives in order to, to shift them? And so I absolutely hear you. And that's why I want to use my platform for this. Even not having considered your race is a privilege. Yes. I'm so seeing that. And I, that's why I, any of my white listeners out there, I want to out myself as saying this mm -hmm. because I think it's important that I admit Absolutely. to you, I had not seen it. And now I see that that is a privilege because you and I walking down the street, you don't have that privilege of not thinking about it. Every single day, I'm aware of my race. Every single day, I'm aware that I'm a black person. Every time I leave the house, I'm aware that I'm a black person. If I'm going somewhere, I will Google it first. Like in the UK, I, th I know in America, it's really common to have like the American flag. In the UK, the English flag or the Union Jack has sort of been co-opted by um, political movements mm. like Britain First or UKIP, which are like openly racist organizations. So like if I'm going to like a pub or a bar and they've got a flag, I need to know, is that is that like a tradition thing or is that because you don't want me here? Like, I need to Google places that I'd like to go on holiday to see how they treat black people. I went on holiday recently. Mm. And as I say, I'm a very light skinned, light eyed woman. And people were stopping me in the street to touch me, to take photographs of me. I think even just understanding that, understanding that not having to think about your race every day is a privilege is really is a really important first step, because I think that potentially white people are the only people in the in the West who are not always thinking or always conscious of their race. I would agree with that. You know, just in the last week or two, uh, having these conversations with girlfriends of different mm. races, nationalities, whether it is black friends or Asian friends, et cetera, I, it, that absolutely keeps ringing true. An Asian friend of mine was telling me about growing up in New York City and how racist many of the police that she ran into, not that she was even doing anything wrong, just being a kid in New York City, would say very racist comments to her about being a Korean American, you know, being Korean. And so this is really showing up as privilege and then understanding that because we haven't had to think about, any of us who are white, I, I haven't had to think about it. I can only imagine, Sophie, this is what I'm starting to really understand, how much energy it takes. Mm, it's exhausting. Oh, it, it has to be exhausting. exhausting. And this is ridiculous because you have so many talents and such better places to put your energy than if I can go to that pub and be safe. Like you're a brilliant woman, a brilliant writer. You're an activist. You're a teacher, an mm -hmm. educator. And, you know, you've had this marketing career. Like we need your talents and your energy going elsewhere other than that. Right. And that's why we any of us as white people need to be allies because we need to be the ones who make this statement and say, hey, everybody, we've got to make this change and 
we need Sophie's talents and energy elsewhere. Absolutely. And I think I really hope that this is a change. And I really hope that this is an eye opener for people. And I really hope, as I say on my Instagram, which is a really weird thing for me to say, because as you say, (laughs) a week ago, I had a thousand followers and today I'm on 98,000. So it's been, it's been a pretty quick glow up. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is what I hope people are taking on. Like we as minority people in the West did not make this problem. We didn't make these problems. We didn't make this system and we didn't ask for it. And we cannot solve it. We cannot solve racism ourselves. We just can't because we're not the people perpetuating it. We're not the people benefiting from it. And I don't know, maybe people might be uncomfortable with me saying that anyone benefits from it, but people do. We do. Everything I've been reading, I am starting to see. And just learning how in the United States 50 years ago, or perhaps even longer, I don't have the date in front of me, there were zones created and who got to live in those zones. And if you lived in a particular zone, yes, redlining, thank you. If you lived in in a redline zone, then you couldn't get a a bank loan for a house. I mean, all these systems have been set up and this is is where we have to start understanding our privilege. And so you were talking earlier, Sophie, about racism and there's the obvious racism of Mm -hmm. neo-Nazis and um, different people that we might look at. Yeah, exactly. That we might look at and say, okay, well, definitely they are racist. And then others saying, well, I'm not racist. You know, I I, I love everybody. I don't even see color. I don't even, I don't see, even color. see color. Right, right. And so this is where the education needs to go deeper, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things I talk about a lot on the Purpose Girl podcast is the wage disparity, as an example, between men and women. Mm-hmm. But black women make less than white women. Yeah, massively, massively so. Yeah, so let's talk about that because I know that you've been in corporate for a long time before this this shift. Yeah, absolutely. So I have had various jobs in um, advertising. So I sort of I started out as a runner, making cups of coffee and getting told off for not warming up the teapot enough before oh, I went to a meeting. Which now I've said it out loud, I realise is probably not a universal thing that people can relate to. <laughs> Very British problems. <laughs> know about I honestly don't know I used to be in advertising too and the first advertising job I had when you were right out of college you had to also run everything around so yeah so that's where I started and then I sort of went into project management and production then I became head of production and I became chief operating officer and one of the things that really struck me was um as a black woman people never however far you progress people never think you're in charge so Hmm. My role as COO was essentially running the day-to-day of a business. I, everyone in that company was a direct report to me. I managed their progression. I managed their promotions. I managed their pay. I managed, you know, keeping the business running and keeping it profitable and, you know, our EBIT and our revenue and sort of all of that stuff. Um, you know, a minor job. Yeah, you know, just like a side hustle, <laughs> just a bit on the side. Kind of like a runner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, And one of the things I was really passionate about was hiring diverse talent, Mm -hmm. not as tokenism, but just because it's such a white industry and the paths in are so closed. So often people get jobs because their friend or their dad's friend or, you know, whatever, someone who they know works somewhere. 
and yeah. then they get an internship and that internship turns to you know a junior role which sort of is your foot in and especially in in, in industries like advertising and in media those ins are so important and they're not accessible to everyone but this is so I, I need to pause you just for mm -hmm. one minute because mm -hmm. you just described privilege so well in that example. I actually have a dear friend whose daughter was coming out of a top communications program in the United States, mm -hmm. and she was able to get in with a major network, right, a major n television network through connections that her father had, her white, wealthy father. And that is such a great example. So she and a classmate who had equal or perhaps if her classmate had better grades right, and better um, samples or whatever needed to be done for that particular job, but his father didn't have the same ends, that is such a great example of privilege. So I just really wanted to kind of pause and put a like a picture frame around that. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that's really important because when I say things like that, people say, well, I want the best for my kids. Of course I do. And we all want the best for our kids. Of course. But the thing is, non-white people have traditionally been excluded from well-paying senior roles. That's just a fact. Like when you look at sort of who is on the board or in sea level in a Fortune 500 company, it's tiny. It's absolutely tiny. At the moment, there are no black women who um, are in the C-suite in Fortune 500 companies, there are none. There was Ursula Burns, who used to be on the board at Xerox. She stepped down and it was thought that that would open, you know, when she was appointed, people thought it would open doors for other black women. It didn't. Hmm. It sort of gave the message, well, this one's here. We've got one and one's enough. Check. It's like a checklist. Exactly. exactly. Mm. Um, and so... When you're saying that you want the best for your children, that's fine. Everyone wants the best for their children. But not all of us have the same possibilities to provide the same things for our children. Right. It's just it's just historically things have been imbalanced. And because of that historical imbalance, we are creating a future of imbalance. That right there is a poster. And I know that you have a bunch of posters. Because of the historical imbalance, there is imbalance <laughs> for the future. Yes. Absolutely. So in terms of um, the pay gap, I think people talk a lot about the gender pay gap. And the gender pay gap is real. There's no question about it. Women get paid less than men when they have the same qualifications and they do the same job. They take home less money. So the most recent stats that I have are from 2017. Um, and if you want to talk about America, in 2017... American women were paid an average of 80 cents for every dollar that a man with the same qualifications doing the same job, both working full time, were getting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's they earn 80 percent of everything that a white man earns. Right. And I think that's a, that's the stat that we get a lot. Like mm -hmm. women earn 80 percent of what men earn. Yes. When we look at what that's like for black women, that actually shrinks to black women earn 61 cents for every dollar that white men earn. I, I, I don't even have That's words huge. right now. I, that is huge. That's another 20%. Absolutely. 61 so, cents. That's, that's inexcusable. Absolutely. That's infuriate. That is, that is inexcusable. So in a year, based on an average salary, that equals a loss of earnings of nearly $24,000, which over a 40-year career makes a shortfall 
of over $900,000. For women who are doing the same job for the same amount of time with the same qualifications, just because they are both black and women, those two intersections of those of their identities mean that they are simply less valued for the work that they do, which is insane. Insane. And then you think about the fall down of that, mm-hmm. right? So then over a span of a career, a million dollars. I mean, basically, that's what we're talking about is yeah. <laughs> almost a million dollars. And then the opportunities for her children. Absolutely. Right. The colleges that they might go to, the opportunities Absolutely. that they might have. This is insanity. This is insanity. So so this is, we, we were talking about outright racism, but this is what covert or kind of behind the scenes. Systemic. Systemic. This is Thank systemic you. racism. Yes. So this is racism that is built into the systems that we all participate in. And this is why we need allies, because as we've said, black people and black women are much less likely to be the change makers, the the stakeholders, the decision makers in businesses. And so we need people who are in those positions to say, not in my business. Mm. In my business, we um, we have pay bans and they are public. So we can see exactly what every role will be paid within a range of. Mm. We need to say, this job will be advertised with a salary listed. Mm-hmm. And that will um, show everyone what the salary for this role is. We, will, we won't change it depending on who that person is. We won't lowball someone because of what we see when they walk into our office. Mm-hmm. We need people to say... We need to find a way to tackle bias before people even get into the office. We need to find a way to make sure that people aren't discriminated against when they apply for jobs based on their name. Mm-hmm. Like we need to do sort of all of these things to just really, to really challenge the system that we all participate in. Because I don't think many of us, and I've been really encouraged by the response to the things I've been putting online recently, and I feel more confident in saying I don't think many of us want to do the wrong thing, but I think we need to take the steps and the time and the effort and the energy to learn what the right thing is and implement it and make sure it continues to be done. Yes. This feels like something we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. But we want, like you said, we want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness for someone like you who is telling us and pointing out here is something that's very real take this as an ally, put it out there. What can you do in your own business? What can you do in your own workplace? What can you do in your own social media, whatever it might be with your legislators Mm -hmm. so that we can do the right thing? There's a difference between not doing the wrong thing and actually doing the the right thing. That's perfect. Yeah, that's a really nice way to put it. There is a difference between not doing the wrong thing and doing the right thing. I think that's perfect. Mm. And one of the many posts of yours that I love is about after the news cycle dies down Mm. and keeping things going. Mm -hmm. So what are some tools that we can have, things we can keep doing that will help this continue? I think some of the things that we've been talking about are part of that, recognizing how the system is set up, recognizing how you benefit from that system and trying to do what you can to write it in your own way and to 
uplift other people. I, um, in my first post, talked about diversifying your your feed and diversifying like your your it, your IRL groups. And to me, that's really important. And I know that some people are of a different opinion. Some people feel like you can't use us as tokens. You mm. can't use us as ways to like add some some spice and some flavor to your <laughs> life, which I totally agree with. Mm-hmm. But I think that the the crux of that problem comes from seeing people as diverse. There's no such thing as a diverse person. An individual thing cannot be diverse. Right. So you can't say I follow loads of diverse people. That doesn't make sense. Mm. You can't say I've hired loads of diverse people. That doesn't mean anything. But you can say I have a diverse team. The makeup. Exactly. Yeah. Groups of things can be diverse. Mm-hmm. Your new your feed. Your social feed can be diverse. Your news feed can be diverse. Your team at work can be diverse. And if your team at work is not diverse, you can ask why it's not diverse. Mm -hmm. Because it's very unlikely that only one group of of people can do that role and can do it well. If there are no LGBTQIA people in your work, if there are no disabled people in your work, if there are no ethnic minority people in your work, you can help by asking why. Mm-hmm. And I think asking questions is really important. Mm. So someone can say something and instead of, which has been my general approach, <laughs> being quite annoyed, <laughs> you can say to them, why do you think that? And if you ask enough questions, if you ask someone to explain a racist joke, I don't get that. What does that mean? What does that mean? How does that work? They have no choice but to get to the crux of, well, because these people are, are less than us, because these people are worse than us, because these people are whatever. Right, X, Y, Z stereotype. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If you can question things and keep questioning them, then you can hopefully show people the flaws in their logic. So, for example, some people who are seeing themselves as allies at the moment are commenting on my posts on Instagram And I'm talking about Instagram so much at the moment because we're in lockdown and I'm not going out, you know, the the work I'm doing is online. Yes. And it's, it's where I found you. I mean, it's where it seems like a lot of people are, are finding your voice and finding your wisdom. So, yeah. Um, But they're commenting and they are commenting things like, okay, we are talking amongst ourselves, which is great, but we need to flood people who don't believe in what we're saying Mm. so they're commenting things like blue lives matter all lives matter build that wall women for trump and you mean they're they're adding those hashtags yes exactly yeah i've seen a lot of that too they're they're adding those hashtags to things that i'm saying and i can see why they want to do that i can see the the logic of um putting different views into those into those compilations of people who are following those compilations but what i think they're not taking into account is that I and other people who are making this work really don't need a bunch of racist people coming in and telling us that we don't deserve to exist, that we are less than human and that we are not welcome. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the allyship thing there would be to post it yourself yes, and then add those tags to your post and then let people find that information without putting minority people in danger because it's 
it might not feel dangerous when you're doing it. And I don't think anyone's doing it with bad intentions. But it's really not nice to wake up to an inbox full of people who don't think that you should exist. Right, that you're not worthy and you're you're less than human. That is such a great point because I have seen people do that and I thought about it myself. I thought, oh, that's so clever. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Like, let's go right into where they are, you know, where where people are not are not hearing it or Mm -hmm. getting it. And this is the point you were making about allyship. If it comes from a white person saying, hey, we all need to pay attention to this. Let us take the backlash. Let us be the ones who who hear it and let us put ourselves on that line mm-hmm. instead yeah. of you being more on the line than you already have for no fault of your own. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That, and I want you, I, I want to take all that from you because I just want you to keep doing your brilliant work. So you have a new effort with incredible, I mean, y'all are going to love every single poster, every single post that she does, because they're, first of all, they're beautiful and eye-catching, and then the words are so powerful. And I know in a matter of like minutes, because <laughs> you've, you've really been putting all this together so, you know, so brilliantly and swiftly, you have a whole new effort to raise funds through posters and through postcards and through art. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I didn't really expect any of this to happen. I just... <laughs> Let's be honest. You're like, wait, a week ago, wasn't I just making my tea and hanging out exactly. and writing my book? <laughs> like a week ago, I was like, okay, the deadline for my final manuscript is at the is in like three weeks. It's going to be fine. Um, you know, I've got plenty of time. Beep, beep, boop, nice and relaxed. And then everything, um, all of the terrible things that happened, happened. Yeah. And on day one, I cried a lot. And I had a lot of conversations with my white partner being like, why is this happening? Why does this keep happening? What am I meant to do? Mm. And, and then the next day I was like, okay, people like him want to do better, but they don't Mm. know where to start. And so I started making posts about allyship and how to help and what that can mean. And it sort of, blew up I still don't really know how and um the universe the, the goddess universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly it, I mean I I actually think this was exactly what was supposed to happen it's God she made it yeah, happen especially it's a hundred percent that yeah. your voice is needed and and uh, I'm thankful right. so Thank not you. that I would have wanted the incidents that led up to this no, to happen no but... none of us would And so when this happened, I felt like, okay, I have the chance to do something. So the first thing that I did was um, I made the, it's really wild to me that people call it artwork because like I'm a COO, I will like, I will manage your finance. I will get your P&L in line. You tell me what your financial targets are. Don't worry, we've got that. But when people say like, oh, I loved your art, I'm like, my what? Right. And you've been you've been in this creative industry with these like, yeah. you know, I know real designers. highly trained creatives. Right. Exactly. I'm like, what? OK. Anyway, people liked it. So then I was like, OK, what can I do that actually makes tangible change? Because I can't be asking these people to be allies if I'm not doing it myself. Um, and it is slightly different because I am a black woman. And um, like one of the posters I made said, like, I've had skin in this game for as long as I've had skin. And, you know, I've always been here. But I wanted to do something that could make things better. So the first thing I did was I made 
um, a set of downloadable free posters, which you can find on my website, um, that were for people to take to protests. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, we're all inside. It's a weird time. If you've got a printer, which I don't, so I had to like, I made them and then I had to scrabble around to find a way to get them myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, the irony. I know. <laughs> yeah. um, so I made these posters and I put them on my website and there was a real desire for them. People wanted mm-hmm. something that they could take to protests and people who couldn't yeah. go to protests or weren't going to proce- protests put them in their windows or they put them around their town or, you know, they did all of these things to sort of be like, we care and we want to have this conversation. So that was amazing. And then I was like, okay, what can I do next? And I was like, okay, what I can do next is I can try and raise some money because I can donate money, but not as much as we can all donate. Mm. And so I um, reached out to various people and I was lucky enough to reach out to people at a company called Awesome Merchandise. And I said, please, can you help me? And I was like, I've got loads of followers now. I've got like 25,000. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can do swaps. Which is loads of followers. I know, it you is. Know? It you is. just didn't know that in days you would be quadruple that. Yeah, right. I don't even know what it is now. I think it's like close to, let me have a look. I'm interested. Like 100,000. I think it's close to that now. I think 98.5. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to them and I said, I really want to do something. I do not have any of the skills to do anything. <laughs> do you? Can you help me? And awesome merchandise have been absolutely amazing. They've donated their time. They do not normally do distribution, but they have done a distribution service for me. They have set up an e-commerce platform for me. And that has allowed me to just get some of the things I've said, put them on tote bags, put them on art prints, put them on stickers and say, you really liked these and I gave them to you for free. But if you really want to help, you can buy them. And that is really going to help to raise money for these charities. And I will donate 100% of the the profits to charities that are doing active anti-racism work. So awesome merchandise, not making any profit from it. I'm not making any profit from it. We just need to do this. We just need to raise money. And so far, we've raised um, about £7,000. And and today is Monday, and we put it up on Friday afternoon. So I'm really happy with how that's going. And so so I think £7,000 is probably about $10,000. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it was, I saw on your account maybe on Thursday... It's coming. And mm-hmm. then this morning before our interview, I looked it back up and I was like, oh, my gosh, OK, it's here. Great. Yeah. You know, and so that's fantastic over over a weekend. And there's so and there's so much more. And you're all really going to, I think, emotionally connect with the messages on the bags and the posters, as well as you're going to love being able to have these signs to actually hold because they I know you don't fancy yourself an artist, Sophie, but no, <laughs> you've no, really no. done a great you've really done a great a, a great job. And your book is gonna be coming out soon. And I know not yet. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Millennial Black. Oh, Millennial Black. I love it so much. Um 
I say that because it's been sort of the thing that I've been working on for about two years now from Ooh. proposal to today, just before we went um, on this recording um, today, I was able to put it on pre-sale on Amazon and I was able to share that with people. So it really feels like something's happening, which is amazing, but not in America or Canada yet, unfortunately, but everywhere else in the world. So the way that publishing works is there's actually not available yet in America or Canada. And that's just because um, you sell sort of um, rights by region. And we couldn't prove that there was an appetite in those regions at the time. Um, but I'm hoping that sort of with my newfound social, <laughs> socialness. <laughs> oh, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that's coming. One of the most endearing, wonderful moments of this very hard last week that we've had was seeing you tag say that Justin Bieber had tagged you. You know, and I think that post of his got like a million, you know, people following. So, yeah. so yes, I think you have an American following now, for sure. Yeah, I, I think I think we're getting there. I keep seeing like all these blue ticks appear in like my message requests, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is wild. Um, so yeah, millennial black is something I've been working on for a while, and I'm sort of a bit worried that people will think that it's just something I've thrown mm. together really quickly because of this sort of newfound social, but it's. It's been a real, like, as I say, I was like a COO, really sort of running um, a lot of things within a company, which I then left because I really wanted to commit myself to working and writing this book. Um, There's been a real passion project for a long time. Um, And it's a book that is really focused on black women and black women's experiences. And that's because... um, of what we were saying earlier because so many people were like oh it's about non-white women and people of color and it's not because our experiences are different Mm -hmm. the way that society treats us is different the way that employers treat us is different the way that our prospects are different and it's not to say that black women always have a harder time than any other minority group we don't but we have a different time Mm -hmm. to any other minority group. We all have unique experiences. Non-white people are not a monolith. So it's about black women. And I think it's really important to me that it is not saying, black women, if you want to be successful in your career, here's what you have to change. Do this, then do this, then do this. No, that is not the message. Exactly. It's not saying, you know, speak in this way and, you know, ask for a raise and do all of this because all of the stats show black women ask for raises as much as white men they just don't get them so it's not we didn't make this we can't fix it so it's saying here are the unique problems black women here are some things you can do you can talk to people about money you can tell people what you're earning and they might tell you back you can spot um you can spot the pay mm-hmm. gap in that way i really really advocate for people talking about money it can be hard and it can be uncomfortable. But when you are in a minority position, yeah. it's essential because you will never spot the pay gap if you are not talking to people mm. about what you earn and if people aren't talking to you about what they earn. So it's about things like that, like real tangible steps that black women can take. But also because I've had that experience of running a business and running that sort of revenue profit model, it's about saying, here's how much more profitable your business will be if you not only bring in black women at a junior level but if you if you retain them and if you promote them and if you 
take them up to the sort of levels that they deserve to be at, not because of tokenism, but because you are treating people in an equal way. Here are the benefits to your business. And if you think that's hard, if you think that that talent isn't out there, because that's something that we hear a lot, like, oh, we would hire more diversity, but that talent just doesn't come to us. Then you're doing something wrong. Maybe your website only has pictures of white people on it. Maybe you don't have a written commitment to diversity on your website. Maybe you're not, at the moment, companies in the UK are not required Mm. to publish their um, race pay gap stats. They are required to produce their um, gender pay Mm -hmm. gap, but not race. If you're not doing that, it seems like you're hiding something. So like all of these things that you can do as a business to make yourself more appealing to black women and in the process, make yourself more profitable. That is really the crux of millennial black. Just saying, here are the problems. Here are what we're not having anymore, what we're just not standing for anymore. And here's how you fix it. And in effect, future-proof your business. So brilliant and so needed because there are many studies about how the impact of diversity at the top level, at every level, changes the profitability of a business, changes the customer relations, all for the better, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is so important. The work you're doing is so great. So in the show notes, we have the pre-order for any of you who are not in America or Canada. (laughs) And if you are in one of those countries, maybe you have a friend in another country who can (laughs) pre-order it. And we just want to be on the lookout. And the best way to be on the lookout is, I'm sure, following you at Official mm-hmm. Millennial Black. That's right. On Instagram. And hopefully it will be um, available in America. Because it's not coming out at the moment. It might change, but the moment it's not coming out until April 2021. So there's plenty of time for us to sort of make a deal with an American or Canadian publisher and sort of cover that market. So, yeah, if you follow, I will be sharing updates and sharing how much I cannot believe what's happening over on my um, over on my Instagram. Well, it's coming. And one of the things, you know, this whole podcast is about women living their purpose and hearing, Sophie, that you took the leap of faith to leave your corporate, successful, steady, stable job to pursue your passion. Mm-hmm. And your true brilliance and true wisdom. I'm sure you were brilliant as a CEO, but like really to take your your wisdom and your message out in the world. What I love is this is such an example of, uh, hey, Purpose Girls, ladies out there, if we take a step, look at how the universe can support us. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, it's oh, hard yeah, and, and it's scary. Very, very. There's a ton of trust and a ton of courage that has to happen. Yeah. And I was very privileged. I think talking about other people and saying their privilege, I have to acknowledge mine. I was very privileged. I progressed very quickly from being a runner. And um, that allowed me to have savings in a way that I never imagined. Mm. Um, and that allowed me to take time off without knowing what would happen. Other people don't have that advantage, especially black women who are underpaid. Mm-hmm. do not right, have right. that advantage of building up that safety net and giving themselves a chance to do that. And that's why it's so important to pay people fairly. I think when we talk about equal pay, we talk about, you know, what's on your um, what's on your pay slip at the end of the month. 
but actually it's it's about one how you value people and two what you are by paying people fairly allowing them to do outside of their work this is such a great point thank you sophie i i seriously could talk to you all day long i am just so grateful to have stumbled upon your voice and the work you're doing and i thank you for the work you're doing thank you and I'm so excited for you about where this is going. <laughs> oh my like, God, this it's is bananas. Like, I, I'm like, I'm so grateful I found you before Justin Bieber because <laughs> <laughs> there's no way you would have had time for this interview. And you have really shared so much of yourself personally and opened my eyes, I'm sure so many others. And even though it's not your job to educate, I so appreciate that you are taking that role right now. I think it's and... kind of my job these days. <laughs> right. I mean, I just mean as a black woman in general, yeah. it's not your job. But like, yeah, making it so because I have to learn from somewhere and we all do. Okay, so everyone out there, remember in the show notes, you will find all of Sophie's links. And uh, especially right now, let's all support her work that she is doing with the posters and the bags because that is going to proceeds. And then when she has the book out, let's support her because that's going to go in her bottom line pocket. Thank and so you. we want to make sure we support her as well. <laughs> okay, so Sophie, mm -hmm. something I love to do with my guests is something called the Purpose Power Play Round. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to ask you a couple of very random questions. And whatever is the first thing that comes to your mind is the correct answer. Are you down? I'm down. Okay. So other than your own book, which isn't out yet, what mm -hmm. is one book that you think everyone should read? <sighs> Don't know. I think the first thing that came to my mind, taking your advice of the first thing that comes to your mind is right. Um, my favorite book is The Handmaid's Tale. And mm. I think it's got so many sort of resonances with what's happening now, whether we sort of recognize it easily or not. Um, I think I think what we're doing now is avoiding is avoiding Gilead. And yeah. <laughs> Please, can we all make sure that we are avoiding that? Yes. Yes, yeah. please. There I are, do not want to live there. No, there are eerie similarities. Eerie similarities. So yeah. love it. Okay, so The Handmaid's Tale. Number two, your favorite day of the year. My favorite day of the year. Oh, my God. I love my birthday so much. Oh, my God. You're a soul <laughs> sister. It's like my favorite day of the year, too. What is your birthday? Um, August 20. Ah. I'm a so Leo. I was going to say, does that make you Leo? Because I'm September 8th, so ah, you're I didn't know where the cusp was. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I love my birthday because I get presents and I get to sit down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and let everybody else love all over you. Exactly. And I, I love it, I love it, I love it. All right, five years from now, tell us one desire you have for your life. It could be the world at large, but either one. So for my life, I just want to be surprised. So mm. I have never had a plan. I have never known what's going to happen. When I became, so like I didn't mean to work in advertising. Someone from Saatchi just phoned me and was like, do you want to come for an interview? And I was like, yeah. Right. And then I worked in advertising. And <laughs> then I was like, oh God, the way that people are treating me is bullshit. Mm. So then I decided to write a book. Then I made a post and that went wild on Instagram. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just, down to see what happens really I know mm. that like people talk about like manifesting and like all of this I'm like I'm just down for the ride to see what happens <laughs> yeah. well what I'm hearing in your ride is you are attuned with yourself and when you get the intuition like this is bullshit I should do something I should write a book mm. you do or you know what I want to I should post about this or I should do something you do and that's it I think a lot of times 
I can speak for myself and, and, you know, clients and listeners tell me all the time, they squash that inner voice. And it sounds mm-hmm. like you listen to that inner voice and then let the mystery unfold. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And I think black women particularly are not encouraged to do this because I think we are so judged by our output. Like we have mm. to be excellent. We have to do this. We have to do that. By the time we're 30, we're going to do this. By the time we're 35, we're going to do that. And like, I've just never felt that way. And I think that has allowed me to follow the ride and see where we are mm. and yeah, just do the things that feel like a good fit. Beautiful. Love it. All right, Sophie, last question. Mm-hmm. What's one thing you want every woman to know? I want every woman to know that you are important and the things that you mm. say are important and the things that you say can truly make a difference. I made a post. I had 1,000 followers. I now have, as we said, almost 100,000 <laughs> followers, which isn't a vanity metric because I'm not posting about things that feel unimportant to me. I'm posting mm-hmm. about things that I really want to help and I really want to believe will make a change in the world. Mm-hmm. And I want people to know that whatever your platform is, however small you feel your voice is, you can make a difference, but you mm-hmm. just have to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're such an incredible example of that. And all of our voices matter. Mm-hmm. Sophie, thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the Purpose Girl podcast. I am inspired. I am excited. I am elevated to what mm-hmm. I can do and what we all can do for, you know, I'm, I'm three weeks from baby. So yeah. what we can do to make the world better for his entire generation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and for every single human to have equal opportunity. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to all of you who are listening, we hope you loved this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. If you did, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave your five-star review. Just 60 seconds of your time is how women all over the world are finding us. Of course, if you haven't yet joined the Purpose Girls Facebook group, do it because it's a free place to get that sisterhood love, share your voice, ask questions, be supported. And of course, we want to be finding Sophie where she is. So make sure you check that out in the show notes. And the most important thing you can do is to share this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast with every single friend, colleague who needs to hear it. And that is how we are an ally and an anti-racist advocate and truly loves that is how we change the world one woman at a time. With that, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.